Well, good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. We're glad you could join us this morning. Uh, I want to say welcome to anybody that's watching us online, either on a podcast or watching us live this morning. Also, welcome to all of our satellite campuses, men watching in Cool Springs at Bricks or in Nolensville at Highway 55. As a reminder, if you have questions today, you can get those to us two ways. You can tweet them in. The Twitter handle is at leadership underscore net. Or you can email those questions in to questions at mensleadershipnetwork.com. Before John Eldridge coined the phrase wild at heart with his popular book in 2001, Peter Goodwin was living it out. Born in Homer, Alaska, Peter grew up fishing, hiking, and exploring the amazing Alaskan wilderness with his uncle who happened to be a bush pilot. In 1999, Peter started his career as an adventure guide, and in 2006, he and his wife Katie founded Alaskan Ventures, a company designed to guide explorers and adventure seekers into the wildest parts of Alaska. In 2015, after years of adventures in the outdoors, Peter chose a new mountain to climb and embarked on starting his own business. Having used and been unimpressed with many of the available active rings on the market, Peter had the idea to create a product that was both stylish and functional. After more than eight months of development, the Groove Ring was born and the Groove Life brand was well on its way to becoming a leader in their industry. Now, as founder of Groove Life, Peter works with his team to develop products that outdoor enthusiasts can depend on. Peter and Katie live in Thompson Station with their three children, William, Mary Catherine, and Elizabeth, and travel back to the wilds of Alaska every chance they get. Please join me in welcoming Peter Goodwin. Peter, yeah. <laughs> oh. Peter, uh, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks it's for exciting, having me. Man. Yeah. Uh, what an amazing introduction. So, I, love it. <laughs> I was like, who wrote that? That yeah, was amazing. <laughs> hey, tell us a little bit about your family and then about being a bush guide in Alaska. How awesome is that? Yeah, so I was born in Alaska um, and then raised there part-time throughout you know, my adolescence and uh, moved there right out of high school to kind of follow my dream to yeah. be a bush pilot and uh, adventure guide. My uncle was very, very influential on me in that. He owned uh, a hunting business, and we, so we would fly and fish and do crazy things. So, yeah, so that was my dream. And, and um, the, um, you know, we, my wife, I met my wife at, at Auburn. She was finishing up vet school. Mm -hmm. I was still kind of down here seasonally and guiding up there, and then we, uh, we moved up there and started uh, our businesses, and yeah, this is my uh, family. It's grown. We've got uh, one more um, now, and actually one that was due on Monday. So uh, we've got a uh, sort of, I call it two. I say I have four kids. Yeah. Is, that, is that legit? No, that's good. <laughs> if, you you're over, right if you're here. overdue, is that, that yeah. counts as, yeah. So if Katie calls, Yeah, that's out, right. So, yeah, I might be yeah. delivering a baby here in a minute. But. So well, what was it like to be a bush guide? I mean, how incredible is that? <laughs> yeah, so um, pretty amazing. Um, you know, it, it's, it sounds all, you know, glorious and everything, but it was very, very much a part of, you know, just this walk that I, that I walked with God. Um, so I moved up to Alaska when I was 19, commercial fished in the Bering Sea. Like all the shows you see, that's, that was what I did before there was reality TV. And, uh, you, know, every, you know, everything you see. So um, the, what was interesting is that God really interrupted 
because I, I was not following God at that point. I was born again, but I was not, there was no lordship in my life. And so mm -hmm. he interrupted and just wrecked everything. So I ended up down in living in a trailer in Auburn, Alabama, uh, not going to school, just trying, you know, just working, laying sod. So I went kind of from the top of where I thought I wanted to be to where, you know, to the bottom. And um, slowly God, um, through lots of trials and tribulations, brought me back to Alaska. But he had to refine. It was refined at that point. It was more about him and what he was doing. Wow. And less about me and what I wanted. And Alaska's a unique place because it's probably one of the only places that I know of, I mean, maybe outside of Siberia or somewhere in South America, where you can, you know, just totally be out of control away from civilization. And, and um, we, what, so when I started guiding again in 2005, I had about a four or five year break there. Um, all my clients, because of what God had done in my life, um, which I don't really quite have time to get into, all my clients were getting saved. Um, so we would go out on these, you know, epic 10-day hunts. And by the end of it, they'd be, you know, a lot of them would just be saved. And, and so God used Alaska, um, you know, in, in the environment. And we've talked about that. Yeah. God used the environment there being kind of out of control as a catalyst to people, you know, being reopened and kind of out of their comfort zone in the city and bring them out there and, you know, bring them near death a couple times. Uh, <laughs> Uh, me for sure, to a point where that they were, um, you know, open to the gospel um, in not a church environment. Is that, yeah. No oh, it makes a ton of sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. So, so that was, I mean, you know, the guiding career. My guiding career was um, a long time. We, you know, some of these pictures you're seeing, um, yeah. um, very, very awesome times. Um, yeah. But the main thing that I, you know, want to talk about today is just kind of how God has used, um, you know, so this, this whole talks about leadership, right? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you lead your family and how do you live the life, you know, of adventure and yeah. the things that you want. Every, every little boy wants the same things, right? We want to live adventure and love deeply and all these things. Um, you know, not how did Peter Goodwin live this adventurous, crazy life, but how, like how did God write the story? And um, that's kind of what what I'm excited to talk about. So, yeah, the adventure guiding was amazing. And, um, you know, yeah. I, I've got a lot of stories there. <laughs> well, was there ever a time, I mean, speaking of that, where you felt afraid or kind of out of control? Sure. Yeah. The, um, pretty much all the time, um, <laughs> in, in <laughs> physically, um, you know, when you're flying a small airplane in the mountains and the weather's coming down, but one, one in particular I wanted to kind of share this morning was a, was a hunt that I was on, um, and just, just full disclosure, I mean, I know we live in the city, so people are a little bit worried about hunting sometimes, but all the animals in Alaska are very managed, and it's very much a, a part of uh, the management plan that the state and federal government have in, in place. But we're, we're bear hunting, and I think there's a couple bear pictures here, but <coughs> um, this is one I harvested last September, about a year ago. Really? But, um, so, How but, big is that bear? That, he's just over nine foot. Yeah. 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 He's a good one. His paw's pretty big. Yeah. His yeah. paw was pretty big. Yeah. Uh, so this one hunt is pretty, in, pretty intense. So we're, we're, we're on a 10 day hunt. We're on the 10th day and we haven't really seen anything. This guy's from Georgia and he's, you know, a typical Southern hunter. He just thinks he should get out of his truck and go get in his tree stand. And, and 10 days in, he is just wiped. I mean, we've been sleeping on the side of the mountain under a tarp. And so we see a bear a long ways away. We go after it, probably four, three miles away across the mountain. And we come up above it. 
and the bear just turns around and he doesn't smell us yet, but he, so he thinks we're another bear. And so he just full charged through the brush and he's just snapping leaves and branches and we're like hair on the back of our necks. I mean, he's coming and all of a sudden, right before he comes out of the brush, he just lets out a blood curling, like terrible roar and he runs to the left because he came across our scent, you know, as we were, because he didn't know we were humans, right? He thought we were another bear. So he, he runs across and we run after him a little bit to try to intercept him and my client gets a shot off and um, tumbles the bear. But the bear, is, you know, you think if you tumble a bear, oh, that's great, we got him. But I mean, a bear will tumble. He'll somersault whether you hit him in the foot or the heart. So he's rolling around and my client's gun, all of the, the insides of the gun fall apart. I think it would be out there in 10 days on, on the ocean climb, you know, environment right on the coast there. I think it just eaten his gun away. And so we, we couldn't shoot it again. So anyway, we had to go after this bear. We tracked it for three hours and through the brush. And, you know, I knew the bear knew we were behind him. So I knew there was going to be a confrontation. But it was getting dark and we, we kind of needed to close the deal. And ethically, you know, you just need to go finish it. So um, pulling out really wasn't an option until it got pretty dark. And we were, I mean, literally, when I say we're on, we're on our hands and knees going through the brush, his gun's laying over my shoulder as we're going through. And I'm right here. I mean, it's so thick. And I know the bear's coming. I know we're going to have to shoot this bear, like, at two feet away. It's just going to happen. So we, we come up over this little ridge. And it's dark. And it's raining. It's starting to snow. And I say to him, I said, I said, I'm calling it. Like, this isn't safe anymore. You know, I mean, ethically, we've done our due diligence. But I said, we just, we just have to call it. And I look across and I see two ears, probably from here to right, uh, the column there, you know, 50 feet away, 30 feet away. And there's two ears sticking up in the bushes. And I just call out, there he is. <laughs> and I just pull up my rifle. And as soon as we did that, he just started. He came, he came full bore. I mean, just 50 feet away. He's a 10-foot bear. This, I mean, he made that bear look small. He was humongous. He's running full bore. And both of our client and I just you know, touched off around, and it was dark at that point, pretty dark, and so the muzzle blast blinded us, right? So, I mean, it's, my eyes are closed, and I'm putting another right, uh, shell in, and, and I, I'm, I'm like this, and I'm thinking he's going to be right here, and it was just silence, and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't see him. I was totally disoriented, and he's yelling like, do you see anything? Do you see anything? I'm like, no, I don't see anything, so we split up just to kind of get away, and then Finally, we, you know, after about 30 minutes, we just sat there, sat there in the dark, put our headlamps on, and eventually we, we went over there and found him, and one, one of the shells had gone in his eye and just uh, taken him out, so ethically. But the cool, the interesting story, <laughs> this is a cool story because the man was totally an atheist when he came, right? And we had worked, I worked him so hard, and I was... Again, there's another part of my story that led up to this that just really made me, like, my whole mission in life was to share the gospel at this point yeah. in my life. So I didn't really care about hunting. I loved it, but it wasn't, the, it wasn't the goal anymore. So he came as an atheist and talking about carousing, and, you know, that's all I want to talk about, and drink at night. And, and I'm just sitting there talking to him, like, how can you deny God? Like, look at that mountain, you know? And then as we're hiking up, like, you better pray to God, because if we make it back tonight, you're, you know, you better praise God. And several nights were like that. So at this point, it's, it's like 10 o'clock. It takes us four hours to, harp, to clean this bear, and we can't move it. It's so heavy. It starts to rain. The, pl the temperature plummets. And I'm thinking, man, we're in real 
of trouble here. So because we're soaking wet, we're about four miles from a camp that's up in the mountains. Um, there's no way we can get back up. It's dark. It's bare and fist, you know, bears everywhere. So um, they always come out at night. <laughs> we hadn't seen many bears, but they came out. They come out at night. So I'm thinking, man, we got to stay here. So. I said, the only way we're going to survive, because we were soaking wet, we didn't have any food, uh, we could have water, but is, um, we've got to climb, you know, climb, take the hide next to the body of the despair and get underneath it. So we literally bear hugged all night, spooned, I say, and just a tip. Don't be the little, the big spoon. <laughs> you want to be the little spoon, you know, <laughs> because the big spoon, your back is freezing. But this guy, he's good in the front and the back, so he's warm, and I'm freezing, you know. So we're we're about you know three in the morning. We're totally uncontrollably shaking. We're disoriented. We're in stage two of, of hypothermia, and I'm thinking this is not good. And we're falling in and out of consciousness, you know. And you'd think a bear hide and a body would be good. It, we were just too wet. It was too cold. So at one point, I wake up and my client's not shivering anymore. And I just jump on top of him and shake him. Wake up, wake up, slapping him, you know. And he wakes up and he sure as heck knows that he's being attacked by a bear. So he just loses his mind in fighting and rolling and spitting and cussing and running. And, I, and then I realize that he thinks I'm a bear and I start laughing and he starts laughing. And so we ended up laughing probably for 45 minutes because we were completely disoriented. And that ended up um, warming us up and um, we, we, we made it through the night. But, but, but at, at the, what's cool about that is that at the end of that, you know, we prayed through that night several times. You know, he had a family and oh, yeah. like he gave his life to Christ that night on oh, that yeah. mountain, you know. And, you know, I, I had, it's up to God whether, you know, yeah. it was real or not. But, I, you know, sometimes God's got to bring the hammer down for you to obey. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So there's several stories like that. But that's one in particular. That that's good amazing, one. Peter. <laughs> wow. Well, well, how did things change for you when you became a dad? I mean, I have a feeling that, you know, yeah. Katie's like, ah, you know, but for you too. I mean, there's sure. like a... Being yeah, the, 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 the guide life just did not make sense for... So I would be gone for three to four or five months out of the year, just gone. And I, and I loved the, the lifestyle and, and what we were doing, but it was hard. It was okay when we were, you know, just married and, you know, but when we had William, my first, I just was like, I'm done. So we decided to, we either needed to quit and get a real job, which I didn't really want to do, uh, or uh, we needed to um, kind of up the ante. So we built the General Lodge, which was um, 150 miles southwest of Anchorage, out in the bush, fly-in only. It was um, an 8,000 square foot full service, five-star lodge, and uh, we ran that. You built it, like, by yourself? You <laughs> yeah, I it? built it with three other guys. Um, I, I have a construction background as well, so... Um, How long did that take you? Because you got to get supplies in. Yeah, else, right? it, it took us 11 months, which is actually, looking back, is a complete God thing because the logistics, you know, if you needed nails, you had to order them two months in advance, you know. So it wasn't like you could just run out of things. So, um, and that's a little bit of a stretch. More like larger pieces of lumber you had to order. Um, nails, I could go in my own airplane, but... Um, 
Yeah, we did it with three other guys, and it took us 11 months. But what it allowed me to do is be home every night. So mm. we we kind of transitioned into these, you know, from 10 to 14 day epic adventures in the bush to uh, more of a day a day trip. People would come in with their families, and we'd take them fishing and hunting, and bear viewing and kayaking and mountain climbing, and then we'd come back every night and kind of have a nice meal. So that the lodge um, unexpectedly sold in May. We just had somebody come in and offer us more than you know. Than, than we could turn down. And, and so now that my, my life is just, you know, I mean, I'm giving you the kind of the brief points, but, you know, my life has um, always been, we just, we're just, Katie and I are just open to what the Lord wants, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily want to live in the South and, you know, and no offense to anybody, but when you taste the adventure and the freedom that you have in Alaska and, you know, I had an airplane in front of my house that I could just fly off and go fishing and hunting anytime or hiking. And, and now, you know, I live in a neighborhood and drive a car. And, you know, I used to drive an airplane. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but the point is that just, you know, we're, Katie and I are just like, it's not our life. It's God's story to be, and he's writing it. I'm the character mm -hmm. in the story. Um, so if he wants us to live here for a time, mm. um, then we're going to do that. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're here full time now and the lodge is gone. And, um, but I love that you said that, you know, it's, it's God's story, right? And I'm yep. just a character because I think so many of us, <laughs> we think it's, it's a big movie and it's all about us, yep. the, you know, but yep. we realize it's all about him yep. and we're just being, God, how do you want to use me? Yep. So. Well, talk about Groove. I mean, uh, yeah, so <laughs> Groove is, um, I don't know if anybody caught that. So, um, just so you know, I was looking up, I think there might have been a little misprint. It was said Groove Live, you know, on, uh. and so I Googled what that was, hoping it wasn't no, the, the worst of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> like, where, what is this? But it's, it's not a dance uh, uh, hip hop um, website. Uh, it's actually Groove Rings, Groove, li groove Life. And, uh, it's uh, basically the silicone rings. You guys have probably seen them. They, um, instead of wearing a metal band when you yeah. work out or guys that work. So when I was guiding in Alaska, I, I never wore a metal band just to send safe. I'm in the bush. If something happens to my finger, I'm, you know, I'm in trouble because I'm, uh, you know, 200 miles from the nearest airport, 150 miles. So um, we, I wore um, one of the rings that was on the market, but it made my finger really sweat. So we ended up making a, a, a in patenting a, a, a breathable channels on the inside and so that's kind of our business now. It's really gone. It's it's and it's just God. Yeah. Like I mean, He gave me the idea and He gave me the you know wherewithal and um, and He's just it's just kind of going to the moon. So we're back, we're in about um, we're coming up on 300 retailers and we're being Cabela's and about to be in Bass Pro and Academy and some some other big retailers. So yeah, it's it's going really well. And um, but again, like. Open hands, like if yeah. he takes it, he takes it. If he, you know, it, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting. I love how God takes your past experiences, though. Yeah. You know, you being in Alaska mm -hmm. and you guiding and saying, well, I can't wear a metal band, and then mm -hmm. coming here and saying, what am I going to do? And yep. God's going, well, I've already been preparing you for this. Correct. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and every, every step, yeah. You know. He builds on, on what you've done in the past, for sure, or what he's taken you through, so, good and bad, right? Talk about that. When did you start to get serious about your relationship with Christ? Because you talked about going through kind of this dark period <coughs> mm -hmm. in your life, but then obviously something happened because, man, you're just on fire for the Lord, Peter. Yeah. Um, all glory to him, right? Yeah. So, um, so I, I just, just want to speak to on fire for the Lord because I, I kind of feel like even that is from him, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. not like I'm 
done anything. If I get out of line, he he just just <laughs> I call it the two by four experience. You know, he just smokes me and brings me back in line. So. Um, yeah, when I was 19, again, I moved up to Alaska. God shut all the doors down, and I moved back to Auburn, and I got involved in the campus ministry there, even though I wasn't in school. Um, and that was the first time that I'd just been introduced to lordship a little bit, and in grace, really. I was in, totally under the law. I went to Christian school. That was very, you know, I kind of saw God as a taskmaster type person. Mm, legalistic. Yeah, and then, you know, God blessed me with depression for about four years, and uh, I say blessed um, because looking back, you know, I would never want to go through it again, but looking back, that was the is this okay? Does this yeah. sound okay? Uh, looking back, that was super foundational in, uh, you know, me, him grow or um, teaching me what it meant to, to live for him. Like, I went overseas and did mission work, and he squashed that. Like, everything I tried to do in my early 20s, he just kiboshed, kiboshed, kiboshed. And with, I was looking for my identity and what I did, right? I was a bush guide. I was a commercial fisherman. I was a missionary. I was a construction, uh, you know, I had a construction company. And he just kept bringing everything to, you know, to the end of itself. And, um, and it just really, I mean, literally, when I met my wife, I was 26, I just started, had to start completely over again. Um, and, and what, and I can't even, I can't believe that she married me because I didn't have anything going for me other than that was about when I was 26. That's when I just totally committed my life to Christ. It was like I, and again, it wasn't like I did that. It was like he brought me to a point where yeah. that's all that was left. And, uh, and that's when I just, you know, I told, I was telling Alex this morning, <clears throat> I can't believe my wife married me. She's so out of my league. She's a doctor, you know, she's, and I, I never finished college. And when, when she met me, I was just, had a small construction company. Her parents were like, hey, you, you're going to be providing for him the rest of your life. And, you know, and I told her, let me tell you something, Katie. I don't know. We're probably going to be rich. We're going to be poor. We're going to have highs and we're going to have lows. But we're going to follow Christ, whatever he tells us to do. Mm. And that's what, and so if you're signed, if you want that for your life, like, you're, get on board because that's where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And she's just, you know, she just, and even today, you know, and, and I was, again, telling Alex this morning, like, she's less following me at that point and following Christ yeah. through me, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so, uh, so that's when I got serious in my 20s about just, again, it wasn't like, I just want to deflect. Like, it wasn't, oh, I decided. It was through hardships yeah. that, that brought me to the point, like, I, I could see. Mm. So what do you think the greatest challenges for men are? I mean, when it comes to our walk with the Lord, and uh, what do you think are the greatest challenges? I'd say, um, for me, I can just speak out of my own experience and seeing other guys is fear. I think uh, fear may be complacency. Mm. Um, that's, I mean, that's kind of the things I think we struggle with the most. And I don't think that's new to man in this society. I think, um, I think it's it's human humanity, and I think that's Satan's biggest uh, tool, right? Yeah. As you and I talked at, at, yeah. at lunch, you know, fear, whatever you fear is what you worship, because, because the definition of worship, I mean, but if you think about it, worship is adoration, it's time, it's money, it's what you give yourself to. And whatever you, typically, we fear failure, so we drive into um, our careers. Mm. We fear, you know, um, whatever. I mean, we, and so we 
we obsess about it when we give our time and try to overcome that fear. And, uh, and that's, you know, what I said at lunch, you know, God says, fear me alone. And there's a reason that he says that, right? Yeah. And then also perfect love casts out fear. So it's not, that's not his fear. He's talking about all the other fear. When you yeah. know that he loves you, you can quit your job and move. You can do what he tell, he's telling you to do. So um, I think, yeah, that's the, to answer that question, I think that's fine. So fear, I think you're exactly right. And for a lot of guys, it is fear of failure mm-hmm. because our identity comes in our job. Absolutely. comes in what we do mm-hmm. instead of who the Lord says we are. Mm-hmm. You know, we are a son of the king. Uh, but also complacency. Talk mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that it follows fear pretty closely because mm-hmm. we don't want to risk, right? So kind of like I mentioned before, um, as you know, this again, this is men's leadership. So um, I don't feel like anybody here needs another, you know, five steps to leadership in their business or their marriage. Um, but I think what could be heard, and, and I don't have it together by any means on the leadership side, but what I do know is that when you subjugate your leadership to Christ mm-hmm. to lead your family, to lead your career path, to lead everything, then um, you you can make bold decisions. Um, so, because you're not following your own gut, right? And your wife, like, what man doesn't want their wife to follow him? My wife was, I mean, she was raised in the South. She was, like, president of the vet school. Like, she was everything. And she moved to the bush. I'm talking 150 miles from the nearest road. And, like, who does that? What woman does that? And what man can lead a woman to do that? Well, it's not me, because I'm a goober just like every other guy. You know, I struggle with with looking at porn at times. I mean, I am not anybody that's anything great, but I, I, I think what, what a woman and what children and what, you know, it, even in your business is what people see is like, who are you answering to? Mm-hmm. And who are they really following? Is it this superhero guy that, does, that has it together? Well, every wife knows that you're not a superhero. Like they know your inner secrets and they can castrate you with two words. Mm-hmm. But when you, it's true, uh, but when you go to her and say, humbly, you know, I feel like God is doing this. I mean, last night, I'll just tell you a little something last night. Uh, God told me to go pray for Katie, who's literally is, is having contractions, and we're about to do this talk, and <laughs> Jeff's sweating. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I just went and prayed for her, and I, you know, I felt insecure at that point about praying for her, which is funny because we pray quite a bit, but I just felt insecure. Like, and I was like, you know what? Forget that. Like, I, I felt like God told me to do it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go to her and say, I feel like I'm gonna, I want to pray for you and mm-hmm. us. And I just was like, Katie... God told me to pray for us right now. And she just like, because we, we were kind of sparring a little bit earlier. <laughs> you know how it is. You spar and then you're supposed to be the spiritual leader. Well, how does that work, you know? Or you're not, you don't love her well or you yell at her or whatever. And then you were supposed to be, well, when you submit to God, like she just melted. She was just like, okay. You know, and because she wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't me leading her at that point. It was Christ, you know. So complacency, I think um, when, when it's all on you, to lead, it's so easy to drink a beer and watch football. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to engage. Mm-hmm. I don't want to engage sex. I don't want to engage my kids. I don't want to get, like, I just want to, like, 
it's too much trouble. But when you feel like, when you are trusting and doing what God tells you to do, like go pray for your wife, go play with your kids. If you do those things, you have him as your backer, right? Mm-hmm. You can be like confidence. And so I think that is probably the biggest um, <coughs> killer of complacency is total just realizing it's not on us to, yeah. to lead, right? I so, love that. Anyway. No, I think that's so powerful because I think that guys do. We, we sit back and we acquiesce our spiritual leadership within the home. And sure. we think, our, well, we'll let our wife do it or we'll, yeah. you know. Let, let the church kids, do it. Right? Let the church do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I don't think we can. I mean, I think that's where God yeah. calls us to step up. And a lot of times we do. And that fear of failure mm-hmm. or that insecurity mm-hmm. And it keeps us from praying for our spouse and praying for our kids and, mm-hmm. or really engaging. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think you see that. I mean, you've led enough, you know, guides that, hey, when you're out in the bush, you have to just surrender. You mm-hmm. have to be like trust your guide because you don't know where you're going. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, in life, we've got to trust. God's going to lead us. Yeah. And I need to be confident in that. <laughs> You know, that's important. I think that whole idea of control, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you hit on that earlier, and I think you're coming back to it, but allowing God to be in control of our lives is so important. Yeah, completely. I I think, um, um, being in control is an illusion, right? And and it's kind of like what I just said. It's, um, you're never really in control. And when you, when you, I think... What's probably helped me get to this point is my depression, right? So just full disclosure, like four or five years on medication, like not good. And then being in Alaska following that uh, and, and during that time is just realized that like I am not in control. I mean, at all. And if I die up here, <laughs> like nobody's really going to care, you know. I mean, uh, and when you're in Alaska, like um, I've had three family members die up there. I just had three, four close friends die this last December mm. in a plane wreck. You just realize like there is no control really. And in, in this society that we live in here that I've been uh, introduced to again recently, Everything is controlled. I mean, there's, I mean, there's seatbelts, there's protectors on our cups so we don't get our hands hot. Um, you know, everything's litigious as far as, you know, everybody's trying to protect so we don't get sued. And, and so there's not a lot of risk involved in our day-to-day, you know, physically especially. But um, maybe the only risk we have is, you know, is our football gonna, team going to win or like the stock market or whatever. So um, <coughs> being out of control is, is not something that is um, um, common here. But it's probably something that when you follow Christ completely, like you are totally out of control. Yeah. And I think that, that uh, that's why I love Alaska. It's just such a reminder that, to, that God is so big. Yeah. I mean, look at this creation. Like, you're so small, like a bear could come and chop my head off right now, like instantly. And there's just like, but he prevents that, right? Like yeah. he's not allowing that to happen at this point. So praise God. Yeah. Um, whereas in, you know, just day-to-day society, I think you kind of forget that. But um, Well, know. talk about that because you know, when we were talking before, you talked about your, your heartbeat to live your life on mission. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what does that mean to you to live life on mission? So it kind of goes to legacy. Like, what do I want my kids and grandkids? I'm kind of getting ahead of us here, but kids and grandkids to say about me. And, and, you know, I don't really want them to say I was a good provider. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, you know, 
he was the president of the banking club. Or I mean, just like none of those are bad, but like if that's what defined me or if that's what people say about me, that's pretty sad because in my opinion, <laughs> there's two ways to live life, right, as a Christian man. There's one that's uh, none of us want, but most of us live, and that is, um, including me at times for sure, is that it's self-centered, mm-hmm. and it's basically the bottom line is fear. So mm-hmm. fear begets self-centeredness, um, and because basically you're totally worried about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You're worried about your image, uh, your wife respecting you, your kids, your success, your success, you know, whatever. You're just totally about yourself. And it's fear-based because you don't, honestly, you don't believe that God is good, right? Mm. And that what he's saying to you to stop doing or to do is trustworthy. And that's the bottom line, right? Um, So, and I'll touch a little bit more on that. I think, um, how much time we have? Oh, we got to go. Yeah, you're good. Okay. So, (laughs) I could talk all that. I think, you know, if I had to say one thing to to men, and again, this is not coming from someone who's got it together at all. On a macro level, I feel like I'm committed to Christ and I want what he wants. But on a micro level, day to day, it's still a struggle. Like I still, you know, um, I felt like God told me not to go dove hunting on Sunday. And I told him, you know, I really want to go and I'm going to go. I mean, just like I had those conversations with God. And I think, he, you know, I'm sure I'll, you know, who knows what ends up from that. But... On a macro level, I'm committed, and I think um, if I had to say anything to guys, it's just that you have a choice to live the dream. And, and when I say that, people roll their eyes. But the, the, the story that mm. God has for you is so much better than your story. If I look back at my 20s and the story I would have written out of high school for what I— I would not have written any of the pain. I would have written a lot more, you know, money and, and a lot, you know, but the, if I look back at where I am now down, I'm like, I have four beautiful kids I've had. Mm-hmm. I just sold a business. I've got a very successful business. I got, I've got, I got everything everybody wants and I have no claim to it. Like I cannot take credit for my story at all yeah. because I just, I mean, I didn't finish college. I did everything wrong, but I trusted God in this, on the macro level. Again, I say that in not in humility because I feel like he even, you know, through the two-by-four experiences submitted me to him. But um, the story, you have a choice. You can live a life, uh, and you might be in there now where it's, you're scared. You're, you're scared of your, losing your job. You're scared of what, whatever. You're just scared. Like most men live in fear, I think. I do as well. But but the other story is trust God and like submit to God in every area of your life. Like go ask God, God, what do you want for my marriage? And he might tell you to go, you know, buy your wife flowers. He might tell you to pray for her. He might tell you to go do the dishes. I mean, he could be so small, but have those conversations with God. What do you, how do you want me to parent God? Mm-hmm. What do you want me to do with this hobby of God that I love so much? If it's golf or whatever, like it's not, and God is not, um, you know, he loves that you love things, right? I feel like God's put a passion in me for, for outdoors, for sure. And he doesn't want to squash that. But if I don't hold that up to him, like it becomes mine. Mm. And, and whether it's career or money or jobs or everything, it becomes mine. And then I'm fearing losing that. So mm. you're right back to where you were. Mm. And then you live this small life of becoming the best 
ping pong player, you know, because you didn't want to give it up to God. I mean, it's such a small little stupid life. Mm -hmm. Whereas really what you want is to say, God, I will do anything and follow you anywhere and talk to my neighbor. I will do, say whatever you want me to do. And when you do that and, and you're going to screw it up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I screwed up all the time. Like I just Mm -hmm. told you, but when you do that on a macro level, he will, he's committed to you to follow up and, th- and it'll be through hardships and following God is the biggest adventure I could ever imagine. I mean, your story even, yeah. you know, it's testimony of that. Yeah. Like you yeah. couldn't imagine this oh, probably yeah. 15, 20 oh, years yeah. ago, yeah. but the story that you look back, you're like, mm. you just all glory to God. And oh. I said, and really, this is the coolest part about leadership is that it really isn't you leading. It's mm-hmm. just the only thing that you have to do to lead your family to your, your business, everything is to submit to Christ and say, yes. So, and then if it screws up, right, like if the world says, you know, you have the confidence that he was your backer. Yeah. So we were in Alaska. My wife, my kid had RSV. We were in the emergency room. It's flipping ice everywhere. And my wife is just having such a hard time. But we could always, I mean, it was really bad last couple of winters ago. But we could always go back to. I, we know that God brought us here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of like, you brought me here, you <laughs> dirty bastard. You know, like it's like I know that God brought us here and I followed him. And so she could rely on that. And that, it, that takes all the pressure off us as leaders. I mean, yeah. really, that's what we want, right? Men that's don't really want to have to, we want all the glory, but none of the, the pain. <laughs> but when you follow God and do what he says and your wife's on board and she follows you and your kids follow you because they know you're committed to Christ, mm. uh, then whatever happens, like they're on the journey with you. Yeah. And what a great legacy to live. So mm-hmm. my legacy I want people to say, <coughs> I want my kids, I don't care what people say, I want my kids, my grandkids to say, Peter recklessly followed Christ. Oh, I love it. And recklessly loved people. And, and, and you know what? Groove is going gangbusters, but I don't care. Like, <laughs> I, I feel, I wake up every day and I'm like, man, I'd rather be in Alaska, Lord. I'd rather be guiding. But you've given me this business that's going bonkers. But your glory, like if, he, yeah. if I make millions of dollars on this business, I, it's like it's your money. It, it's not my money, right? It's not my story. And that's, that's the difference between, I think, having a plan and living in fear and following your plan and just being like, all right, Lord, it's mm. yours. Because when he does give it to you, you don't worry about losing it as much. You know what I mean? I love so. that. I love that. I love that living on mission. It, it, to me, it's like a lot of times I wake up, God, what are you going to do for me today? Yeah. Versus turning around and just saying, God, I'm your servant. Yeah. What do you want to do through me today? And, sure, and sure. let me be the hands and feet of Christ. And man, that legacy of I want to live life recklessly yeah. for Christ. Man, I love that, yeah. Peter. That's awesome. And I think just in last thing is just reiterating on fear. I don't think people, I really don't. And I, because I, you know, you don't think, oh, I don't want to follow Christ. Or I'm not going to do what God tells me to do. It's more subtle. It's more subtle than it's like, I can't quit my job and do what God's called me to do in this passion of whatever he's called me to do because I might, I might lose my house or I might, you know, not be able to provide for my kids or, and, and that's, that's a hard, you know, you got to struggle with that. So it's, I don't think of disobedience a lot of times is direct. I think it's you're fearing something other than God, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So you're worshiping this rather than God. And, and I think it just, there's a point where I think it is, if we're going to change our world and our society is that men have to step up and 
cut, you know, burn the boats and say, we're following Christ no matter what. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's a, especially with your wife, I mean, mm. it is, you've got, you've got to be in conjunction. And if your wife yeah. says, God is not saying that, <laughs> then listen, because, yeah. you know, I mean, it's not, you know, she just blindly, you know, she's, she's definitely co-leading with you, but mm. you're the, you're, the buck stops with you. So. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. That's spiritual leadership. That's good. Hey, we've got a couple of questions for you. Okay. So, Thomas? Hey, Peter. Question one comes in and it says, how do you stay connected to God daily? What does that rhythm look like for you? Probably a little non-traditional. <laughs> I'm in church, so I got to be careful. Uh-huh. No, uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I am um, do a quiet time daily or anything like that. I, I think at this point, that was definitely part of my early walk. And, and um, I think Katie and I try to get in the Word, you know, every day, but we don't. Because um, we get up at 6, but then the kids get up at 6.05 and it's madness. Um, I think it's just walking um, the day with God, right? So, again, not from something I do regularly, um, but I try. And, and But when he prompts me, just listening, you know what I mean? I feel yeah. like just being sensitive to the promptings, like, I mean, I, when I go to work, I grind it out. And, and, but there'll be times when I'm frustrated, you know, and I'm just like, God, you know. So it's just more of a daily living. I'm definitely in the Word, um, but, but it's not like, you know, at 7 a.m. I get up and I, it's mm. just more inviting. I'm like, hey, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? This guy just pissed me off and I want to knock him out. Or whatever, this guy's not obligating his contractor. You know, how do I handle this situation? Or this employee is not showing up on time or... How do I handle this? Just inviting him in because it's his, it's his business. You know what I mean? It's his life. It's his children. It's his, yeah. you know. So just kind of having that mindset. I love that because I, I do think that's the rhythm. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times it's hard to just, you know, do program. <coughs> I'm going to have this. But if you're daily mm-hmm. walking with the Lord through the good and the bad, I mean, that's just keeping him on the forefront of your heart and your mind. You know, yeah. that's good. It's good. What's question two? Question two, what are some practical life lessons that you've learned from guiding that parallel with a walk of faith? Um, kind of, I touched on it before, just control. Like, yeah, when you're guiding, um, and when we still do trips up there, you know, we're, we're planning on starting more trips up there to kind of ex- get guys to experience this themselves. But um, I think just the control thing, like you are not in control, mm. even when you think you are. Um, I mean, you're, you're one catastrophe away from everything. And, and that would be probably the biggest blessing for you. So I think uh, that's probably the biggest practical lesson. And, and one that I, that draws me back to Alaska and guiding is that I want to feel physically out of control because it makes me like wake up to the realization that I'm totally out of control in every area and yeah. he is completely in control. So it is funny how we think we're all in control, you know, yeah. like we get control over every, yeah. we don't have any, it, I mean, really you know, don't. I mean, no, no. I mean, just, I mean, creation, everything else. No, I mean, yeah. you know, we don't. And, and, and I think, you know, I said earlier, I think this society that we live in, it's very wealthy. It's just America in general. Yeah. And so, you know, when you, back 50 or 60 years ago, like we could have a bad harvest and the families can't eat that. You know, you feel more in touch with your humanity here. It's nobody's starving. Nobody's, right. you know, there's rarely anybody dies. I mean, it's very, you're just kind of in an illusion mm. of control. Yeah. Um, 
where so you still do guides up to Alaska. You still yeah, take yeah. men up there. Yeah. So, um, so we close the launch, but we're still doing our ministry trips. And, and it's, I, I hate to say ministry trips. It's more just like, we call them man trips, I guess. But I take guys more like the seven day tours, um, just out. And we just, we live off the land and eat wild salmon and, and just it, kind of that experience that I was doing with those $20,000 hunts for, for, um, for those bears, I wanted to make accessible to guys that didn't have mega money yeah. to just go out and kind of feel that, their humanity. And it's a pretty powerful experience. So, yeah. So we, we do those in the summers. That's awesome. We got time for one more question? Yeah, let's get one more. Uh, how did you hear God's voice or sense his leading and guiding you along the way? Or how do you hear God's voice and sense his leading and guiding <laughs> along the way? You know, I, I don't know how to answer that. So the other day, um, I'm walking in the parking lot um, of Kroger, bitching and complaining about living here. And, uh, and I, I uh, which is a constant conversation that I have with God <laughs> at this moment in my life. And, uh, <clears throat> and I'm holding my daughter and, uh, and God just, I don't know how he speaks, but he just, it's more of like an impression. And it was just like, you don't know what's best for your life. You don't know what's best. You never have, Peter. Like, that was the thought that came into my mind. Maybe it's more of a thought, I guess. And so, it just, I just stopped. I was like, you're right. Like, what am I doing? I, I think I need to be in Alaska. Like, that's all my skill sets. My people are up there. You know, like, everything I want to do. My kids, I want to raise my kids up there. But God brought me here, and I know that. Mm -hmm. Like, Katie and I know that we're supposed to be here. But, you know... It's just that daily struggle. So just, I think just a thought, maybe an impression, a thought. And, and I just pondered that. And I was just like, and I thought back, like I can't take credit for anything because all my plans turned to nothing. Mm -hmm. And all his plans have brought me to where I am. And I love to where I am. So I just, it's like, I want to take Alaska like this mm -hmm. and hold it. And don't take it from me, God. But I have to do this because... Because I know that this means two by four. Like, it's mm -hmm. coming. <laughs> you know what I mean? so, so anyway, uh, just listening, I think, I think for me to hear God's voice is just to wrestle with him. You know, and um, I'm talking, am I talking to you? It's just to wrestle with him like, gosh, dang it, God, I don't want to live. You know, you know, and just literally bitching a planet and just having that conversation with him and struggling, I think that opens up you to hearing, you know mm, what I mean? So, I love it. Man. So I'm pretty bold with God, right? Like him and I, I mean, he knows me and I know him. Like it's, it's, I don't know him very much as much as he knows me, obviously. But I'm pretty bold and I'm just, I expect him to answer, you know what I mean? And he doesn't always in yeah. the way I think or in the timing, but just continuing to wrestle, 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 wrestle. So. But that's why it's the greatest adventure of all, isn't it? I it mean, is. Following and trusting True. and allowing it him is. to be in control yeah. and just saying, okay, I surrender. Yeah. And uh, when you do that, that's when God opens doors that you can't imagine. <laughs> he does, yeah. And yeah. He, again, like, I just, I'd even look at your story. It's yeah. totally different than mine, but I mean, what a great story, right? Oh, praise and God. It's, it's all glory to yeah, him. Yeah, and it's not because Jeff had a <laughs> master plan of building a church. And, yeah. So it's, it's a... It's worth it. Mm -hmm. And it's scary. Yeah. Lip, it's scary. <laughs> uh, well, let me pray for us this yep. morning. Oh, God, thanks for Peter. Father, thank you for his heartbeat for you, God, and just the way uh, I've been inspired and encouraged this morning, Father. And uh,
God, I do pray that you would keep us, every man who's watching, every man who's listening today, Father, keep us from um, fear and complacency. And Lord, it just seems like that's how Satan wants to bog us down in our, in our lives with our spouse, with our um, kids, with our work. God, and I pray boldly, God, that you give us a reckless abandonment, Father, to follow you wherever you call, whatever you want us to do. God, let us be men after your heart, Father. Let us serve you every day, God, and give glory to you, Father. And Lord, I pray that you would be the Lord of our life and be the joy of our heart. And Father, we just are on this incredible adventure with you. And I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in each of our lives, God. And give us the boldness to follow more every day. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. Good job. Awesome. Well, thank you, Peter. Thanks for doing that. appreciate it. Guys, uh, be on the lookout this afternoon. We've got the Men's Leadership Network email that comes out every Thursday afternoon. A great recap of this morning. Uh, Again, there'll be a video link to today's uh, uh, interview that you can distribute to your peers, etc. Also, there'll be a a link to the Men's Leadership Network website. And we've got a lot of content out there, a lot of the past interviews. If there's anything that you're looking for, we probably have somebody that's come and shared and spoke on that exact topic. So, be on the lookout for that email. Uh, you don't want to miss next week. Next Thursday will be our final uh, Thursday of this series, and we'll have Jason Hallwerda joining us. Jason uh, is the vice president of Foundry Commercial, which is a full-service real estate services and investment company with 240 employees and nearly 30 million square feet of space under management in the southeast and in parts of Texas. Uh, Jason's going to share leadership insights throughout his career in the business, but also some of the time uh, leadership uh, experiences that he had as the point guard, starting point guard for the Vanderbilt Commodores uh, at, in his time during college. So we'll start again at 6.30 with breakfast and get going with the interview at 7. Thanks.